If work feels more like play for you, or you'd like it to be that way. If you have the heart to help others and you're looking for ways to grow your business as a healthcare professional, if you are ready to adjust your practice to suit who you are and the life you want to live, then maybe the ideas in this show will help you expand your impact a little bit more. I'm Melissa Longo and my guests and I are here to lead the way to more impact, more success, more joy in your life and business. So let's stop wasting time. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a minute to thank our show sponsor. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software. I have been using them for the last three years and they have made my practice run so much smoother, but also allowed me to grow my practice, have fewer missed appointments, grow my income while I'm doing things that really nurture myself as a person, as a mother, as a practitioner. And to me, that is golden. If you can grow my business and keep things running smoothly while I'm out of my practice, that's a game changer. They have been gracious enough to give you one month trial. If you want to schedule a demo with the crew, their customer service is next level. I'd highly recommend it. Just let them know that you're a listener to the show and they will take great care of you. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Adjust Your Practice. We are absolutely going to speak to an amazing doctor today who has adjusted her practice more than once in her career. Mm -hmm. Dr. Heather Denniston is with me and uh, I love Heather, Heather's energy. It's been far too long since we spent some time together. Last time I believe it was poolside at a women's event that you were speaking okay. at, I was speaking at, and um, there was a lot of great conversations about what it actually means to be a healthy woman and, and living a so-called, you know, healthy, balanced. I don't like the word balance when it comes to, you know, our businesses and our personal life, because I don't think it's mm -hmm. accurate, but we definitely had some great conversations about what we both believe is are some of the key points to making that happen. And I know that you constantly keep asking yourself the questions and, and evolving yourself forward. So I'm looking forward to our discussion. Thanks for joining me. Oh my gosh. Such an honor. Always a pleasure to be with you on podcasts, in person, whatever it is. So um, thank you for inviting me. Super excited. So I love that you are in Scottsdale. I love that you have relocated <laughs> there from the great Canadian North. <laughs> yes. Um, tell us a little bit about your where you're at right now. And then I would love for listeners to hear how you got to this point. Yeah. Okay, so where do we begin? Just, where do we begin? Where do we begin? I'll start with um, what comes to mind is I was attending the University of Victoria and in Canada, and I got a job tree planting for the summer. And I went up and for those who don't know what tree planting is, a lot of Canadian students will go out into the forest where we have deforested and we will reforest which means you're planting about 200 trees a day, a lot of bending over. And I completely blew out my back. And my sister dragged me kicking and screaming to a chiropractor because I had no idea what they did and was a bit terrified. And his name was Dr. Wright, which I loved because um, he fixed me up within about two sessions and I changed my major and, uh, and to go into <laughs> chiropractic school. And so I... That was my first journey into Cairo school. And 
fast forward, I did 25 years in practice and then about five, six years ago, left private practice to move into some other things, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, including some writing and consulting and coaching and, and different things. So that is a very short version. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I would love to dive into, you know, what that what that transition was like for you and what prompted mm -hmm. it. A lot of people listening, maybe early in their career, they may be later on, yeah. they may be at the point where they're still going, I love what I do clinically, but I think I want to do more. I want to shift yeah. gears, or maybe I need to relocate or embrace another opportunity because of my partnerships. And I think your story kind of encapsulates a little bit of everything. So tell us about what it was like you. when you were in clinical practice and why you decided to make the move out of it. Well, I think one thing that's important to be aware of is many of us who have made that shift weren't unhappy uh, necessarily. I was not unhappy in practice. I was just being called very strongly to do some other things. And so I loved being a practitioner. I loved brick and mortar, but a couple of things fell into play. One was I was, I was deeply being called to spend more time writing. I just... I just wanted to write. I wanted to write articles, blog posts, publish something. And, and I was finding that I wasn't taking the time to do that kind of writing that I wanted to do. I wanted to put well-being information out into the world. And that was number one. Number two was my husband and I uh, love to travel. We travel a lot. And I was starting to feel that I needed a shift out of a brick and mortar five day a week practice into something different. And I know you've coached hundreds of people on this very shift of like, it doesn't have to look like a traditional practice. And for me, it felt right, like the right T in the road to say, I'm ready to take a break from a brick and mortar clinical type experience into something new that will include some writing, some maybe some consulting, some coaching, and also allow the opportunity for my husband and I to live the dream that we had, to be able to pick up and go whenever we want to go, to be able to work from different places in the world. And so that's how that transition happened. It wasn't overnight by any means. It was a slow sort of insidious shift. And then suddenly I was very, very ready. And that's, that's how I would say that happened. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that it's not, even if you are, it's not overnight, nothing ever is right. Sometimes people no. observe it. It's not any different than musicians. We see, Oh, they're an overnight success. Yeah. Whatever. They've been working yeah. at this slowly, you know, yes. um, maybe it's refining. Uh, and if you're listening to this, you're refining your dreams, you're working towards something on the side of your clinical practice. And then next thing you know, you are ready to make a bigger leap. Mm -hmm. And I love that you acknowledge that it's not typically overnight. It's the mm -hmm. years and years of the behind the scenes, the quiet efforts that we often um, have to put in before something becomes successful. Um, mm -hmm. I also really love, and this would be a great you know, topic, is the fact that essentially when you made the decision to slowly get out of practice or transition out of practice, you were honoring two things. You were honoring yourself and your values mm -hmm. and what it meant to you. And you're also honoring your relationship, right? And what mm -hmm. you dreamed of with your partnership. And- mm -hmm. I also love how you said you you were called, right? You were honoring a voice of that instinct, something else inside you that was pulling you in another direction. Yeah, yes. And you and I spoke many years ago on a previous podcast about 
providing yourself the space to listen and to have as a practitioner, you are often just in the noise of patients and staff and paperwork and all, and there's no space. And if it is, if that little inner voice or big inner voice is speaking to you often, we just suppress it and keep going with the next to-do item. And so in my last couple of years of practice, concurrently and not by accident, uh, I took really regular breaks, three, four days away from practice to let that kind of still soft voice be heard. And it was on one of those mini retreats that I, this, the word sell <laughs> just came up, came up. I'm like, no, 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 you don't, that's not what you mean. You don't mean sell my practice. What are you saying? Sell what? And, uh, and sure enough, that was what that voice was saying is it is time. And, at, you know, as practitioners, it, it's, it's interesting because by the time I was like, yes, okay, I'm ready. It took two years to sell my practice, mm. uh, particularly as a female specialized practitioner, at that time, there weren't a lot of women buying practices. They were associating or independent contractor, not as many buying practices. And I was specialized. So any doctor coming in who didn't have a specialization was automatically at a disadvantage. And so my point being that, oh, I, I could have started that process earlier because by the time I actually left, because the shift was meant to happen earlier, I was definitely burned out feeling a bit resentful of the practice and it wasn't as smooth of a transition as I think it probably could have been had I started the process earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, again, giving yourself the space to listen, how we, mm -hmm. we did talk about that and listeners, I will absolutely in the show notes, you will find the link to Dr. Heather's episode with me on Rockstar Doctor Life, which we dove into mm -hmm. some of these topics you're also going to find the link there to the episode I did on quieting the noise and why mm. I believe it is important that we do take time. We're so inundated with learning. We're so inundated mm -hmm. with connecting, which is amazing. We're so inundated with, you know, like listening to things and, you know, it can be overwhelming. And if you don't actually take time out and give yourself time and space to, to where do you fit? How do you feel about all these things mm -hmm. to listen to what your heart and soul wants to tell you? You can miss some of the most powerful messages we're, we're designed to get. Agreed. I love that quieting the noise. That sounds like an amazing episode. Now, was that something that um, for you, so you, you, you got this, this nudge, we'll say, yeah. sell your practice. It took you a couple of years. Yeah. Um, there's some courage involved in that, right? There's some courage in taking a leap in mm -hmm. picking up and moving. And I mean, obviously you have a strong partnership and you had skills and you had some things to rely on yourself, but were there times when you were nervous where you were like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, did you have any changes in how yeah. you felt about loss of identity of not being a clinical practitioner? Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I, for sure, there were periods of nervousness, but a few things were in place. One was I had incredible support in my partner uh, as far as encouragement to do what you are dreaming and, and we'll just take the risk. And that was huge. And then also I had spent enough time with that leading by journaling, by listening that I love the quote. In fact, I put this up on my wall as I was transitioning out of practice, which is be so sure about the decision you're making or be so sure about how much you believe in it that what anybody else thinks about it doesn't matter. Mm. And 
And so getting to the point where even my own internal questioning, I could say, no, I, I feel strongly about how right this decision is. And certainly those around me who uh, said, but you know, you have this great practice and do you even know how to do writing? And do you, you know, the wellness industry is so competitive and just God bless them. It could have really chipped away at my ability to make steps forward, but because I had become so clear in my own vision and in my conviction around it, it made it easier to say, I hear you and I'm going to yeah. keep moving forward. And, you know, you do strike me as someone who really has a strong identity and you know yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I know we're all, we're all works in progress, right? And always getting to know the pieces of our ourselves and our, our skills and our gifts. But you have a lot of, yeah, the certainty, the conviction, the, the knowing that you knew to trust what your instincts were telling you. Um, yeah. How do you think you have developed that over your over lifetime? I mean, have you been honestly just always involved in personal development, retreats, workshops, mentors, coaches? Like, where do you think your sense of really knowing yourself and trusting yourself? Is that just mm-hmm. who Heather is, like who you were as a child? Or have you just developed that with time with, you know, different, again, resources? Sure. I think it's both. And I don't know how you feel, but I look back 10 years or even five years and I think, oh my word, I did not know myself. Like I know myself so much better now. And it is interesting to self-reflect and say, okay, love that girl at 20 or 25. She was amazing. She was doing what she needed to do with what she had, but the ongoing growth that we all have, or hopefully have let's us self-reflect and go, wow. Okay. So because I think to myself, well, I feel, I feel, um, I feel like I still have a ton of growth to do to move forward, but I also feel good about where I'm at in the space that I'm at. So I love that you brought that up about, um, courage and that kind of thing, because I think it's ever evolving, ever growing, ever expanding if you are working on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and so then to answer your question a little bit differently, I was the youngest of three girls. Uh, I was six and seven years younger than my sisters. So I was raised almost like an only child. My mom was kind of sort of just done with parenting in general. And my dad was relatively absent. And so very early on, I had to learn to rely on myself, um, making meals, getting myself to school, my parents never asked to look at my grades. My grades were entirely up to me. And so I I did realize early, like, okay, so this is my journey. <laughs> I'm going to be, I, it's, it's sink or swim kind of myself. And so I did become relatively self-reliant. I also went to boarding school. So I was away from my family from the time I was 12. In fact, my husband identified for me, I'd never realized this. He said, you from the, you were gone 12 to 16 and then my parents had a situation where they had to move away when i was 17 and so really from 18 down i really only lived with my parents for about 10 years mm. <laughs> so from 1 to 10 1 to 11 and so self reliance is going to be a result of that uh, good or bad and mm-hmm. so that that was a piece Back to the self-growth. I did not figure out the whole self-growth thing. Uh, I remember reading something on women's uh, 
um, women's lib, for, for lack of a better term. It was back in the early 80s. And that was my first thing to go, oh, we can we can work on growth. We can work on being stronger. We can work on letting go of, of historical sort of how we've been as women and we can be different. And so that was my very first, but it probably wasn't, Melissa, until chiropractic school that I started being surrounded by people who were interested in growing and expanding and constantly working on themselves. And it was so refreshing and interesting to me that I was like, I ate it up. So I, I do really enjoy that. And I do feel like that's why we're here is, you know, to grow and expand. And then by doing that, we're able to leave a, a greater impact. Mm-hmm. Definitely a growth mindset kind of person. <laughs> a couple of things came up. Yeah, yeah. That came up this morning, that book, um, you know, the fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Yes. And I definitely relate Carol to that Dweck. as well. Yes. Yeah. And, um, I love also what you shared about your experiences. They always shape who we are. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my childhood was, was different, but I definitely also, a lot of my independence, a lot of my creativity, a lot of my resilience and adaptability mm-hmm. came as a byproduct of some of the negative things that I was exposed to as a child. And they weren't even negative. They were just, you know, interpreted as mm-hmm. negative emotions for me. And we're constantly learning about ourselves, but I love that you brought that into perspective because it is always perspective, right? It's, mm-hmm. you could look at one situation from two different angles, but the gifts of who you are, and we all have the gifts of who we are in this moment because of the things that have we've gone through and we've grown through and, yes. you know, embracing them and owning them, which is what I love about you. And all the things you've accomplished since then because of your self-reliance. And obviously you've been really adaptable too with your business growth and then navigating the coaching space, you know, when you couldn't go into corporate spaces, you know, during the Mm -hmm. lockdowns and stuff. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about like what kind of work right now you're doing exclusively coaching corporate type health programs. Take us into Mm -hmm. what kind of work you're currently doing. Yeah, you bet. So I, I want to talk about how I I really stumbled after leaving practice. I thought applying the concepts of brick and mortar, having been 25 years in business, that I would I would have this sort of <laughs> online blogger writer thing like that's going to be easy. It's you know, and I totally messed that up. I I didn't surround myself with the right resources and people to help up-level me into a completely different industry. And there was so much to learn. And my uh, things moved so slowly for me because I was not aware of that. And so that was one thing that I learned along that journey. And then about two years into it, after I'd done a bunch of writing and uh, um, and largely on a blog and, and some uh, a program that I ran for a bit too uh, called The Junk You Should Know Show, after I did a bunch of those things, I realized that I felt like I had a unique qualification to bring well-being content into corporate type entities. And the reason was, was number one, I lived with somebody who was all corporate all day long <laughs> for his whole career and had a really intimate view of what the stressors look like. And, um, 
because of, of connecting with him and connecting with who he worked with, I had no anxiety about walking into a boardroom full of executive C-suite leaders and starting to talk to them about nutrition and fitness and movement and mindfulness and all of those things. So that was number one. And then number two, my practice was right smack in the middle of Costco headquarters, Microsoft headquarters, Expedia headquarters, T-Mobile headquarters. And so that's who was on my table. And so I realized that if I could put together some programming and take it to them, then I might have the opportunity to leave an even bigger impact by meeting them where they were at. And so from that came an eight-week program called the Wellness Amplifier Performance Program. And that's my primary program that I take into corporations and businesses and take a, an elite leader and their team and run them through that program. And the, and the hope is that we bridge the connection between personal well-being and professional success. And so it's a win-win because the attendees expand personally in their well-being, but the end result is a higher performing, more productive employee. And I think that's why it's been effective is because everybody's happy at the end of it. And mm -hmm. so that's primarily what I'm doing now. And, and I'm loving it. It's allows me a ton of freedom. Um, I, I enjoy it. It feels very validating that I'm in the right place, doing the right work, leaving the right impact because folks are interested in it and, and are getting good results. So mm. I don't even know Unless if that answered your question. <laughs> oh, it did. And, and then some, because it's led me to two other. One thing I want to add add to is the importance of proper coaching and mentorship. You know, a lot of docs, and I've worked with docs. I've worked for a company that took docs in and healthcare, healthcare professionals who wanted to expand online. And we were coaching them how to do it, how to brand it, how to sell, do the sales pages, how to actually create content, how to set up your tech stuff, like all of it. And yes. a lot of times they thought it was going to happen overnight and they yeah. thought they were going to do this, 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 this five things. And they were going to next, you know, be making six figures. And the coaches and I would be like, that's not how it works. Like, yeah. If I launch a program now, maybe it's going to, you know, have a little bit more traction because I've done five years of work of around this yes. and you don't see all the other hours that I've spent doing it and all the failures that I've had along the way, mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen overnight. And without a lot of practitioners want to expand into the online space, whether that's coaching or do it yourself programs or putting something together, a membership, and they yes. don't know how to do it. And they start fumbling their way through it without having someone who's in healthcare or with the right guidance, you can save yourself so much freaking time and money. Oh my gosh. In the ultimate, yes. like, we all wish we did it differently. Right. And the biggest yeah. investment that I had six years ago was hiring a coach. It wasn't yeah. on, it wasn't on the software. It wasn't on programs, sales pages. It was actually on someone to tell me what the hell to do in which order mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. I wasn't going to duplicate my steps. So listeners, why this matters to you is that if you need more support, Find some, right? If you mm -hmm. want to launch yourself and create your own practice and add to your practice, you want to go a different direction, find the right support and mentorship. I'm going to link in the show notes as well, the show that I did on coach versus mentor, why they're different in my books and how to find someone who is right for you at the right time. Great. I also Love want to that. talk about the fact that you being a health advocate, and I know you're working with corporate, but mm -hmm. we're all humans mm -hmm. and everyone listening and a lot of healthcare professionals need reminders about their health, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, social. Yes. What are some of the common things 
you find are the biggest challenges, barriers to your clients with getting mm -hmm. results? And, mm -hmm. you know, and then what are some of the solutions to them? Uh, we could dive into the whole health topic. I know you're so well-versed in nutrition and exercise and stress, but if you were to sort of think about the things you're guiding your clients with right now and where they hit like, you know, sticking points where they maybe don't get the results or maybe some other keys to success that you found, what would you say mm -hmm. for people listening to really to work on their health? Yeah. I found both in practice and in the coaching that I've done that often folks are missing some of the building blocks to create a foundation for sustainable well-being. One of those, and maybe the most important is self-compassion. And mm. self-compassion 20 years ago was not really even a term, but what we've realized is that through Kristen Neff's work, I think primarily is the idea that that inner voice is always talking. Your brain is actually designed to be in continuous, continuous conversation. And if we don't intentionally create moments where we are using kindness and compassion toward ourselves, then our inner bully just takes over. And I know probably many listeners can say amen to that, how hard we are on ourselves and that we know from a data perspective that self-shaming, self-flagellation, None of that is actually a motivator to get you doing what you're yelling at yourself for not doing. And so starting with some self-compassion practices around kindness statements, around understanding that you're not alone and that there's common suffering, and finally bringing what you are struggling with out into the light in order for you to be compassionate. Um, those three things come from Kristen Neff's work on compassion, and she's got a wonderful website. Uh, tons of free resources. So self-compassion would be number one. Number two is the idea, I use, I use the word homeostasis. In high school, we all learned that homeostasis is balance. And you alluded to this earlier, that they're really, balance really isn't a thing. Integration is a thing, constant responding and reacting. So I use the idea of a teeter-totter or a seesaw, where if Melissa, you and I are on a seesaw, and we go up, down, up, down, up, down. And then eventually, what do we always do? We, we try to balance. That's what kids do on, on seesaws. And from 10 feet away, it looks like, wow, Melissa and Heather have that, you know, they have incredible strength. They're perfectly balanced, but we're never perfectly balanced. I'm perceiving what you're doing. I'm reading the, the temperature and the wind and my muscles are contracting and relaxing. And my pupils are dilating and constricting and my nerves are firing all in response to what's happening on the other end. And with the folks that I talk to, helping them own the, the influence they have over their life experience based on the, the hundreds of daily health optimizing or depleting decisions they make is huge because a lot of times they think it's out of their control. I'm having a bad day. I'm, I've got no energy. I've got so much of that is up to us how we fuel ourselves, how we move our bodies, the mindful practices we have. And so that would be probably the second thing. And then the third thing is understanding that tiny shifts made over time have incredible power. And it's not the grandiose gestures, the 30 day this or the 21 day that, it is one small step in front of the next 
but made consistently, which actually moves us more toward wellness than just about anything else. So one extra glass of water, getting to bed 30 minutes earlier, five minutes of meditation. These are things that will make big shifts, but media tells us, no, 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 no. You got to do this 30 day extreme thing, or you're not going to get results. And it's just not true. And so I would say those would be the foundational things we'd start with. And then we layer on top of it, okay, what nutrition is right for your body? How can we create movement in a day that is completely stressed? And, and so then we would layer that on top. Awesome. It's consistency, right? It's like consistent yes. habits. So you're not going to change your body composition with a couple of workouts, but with consistency around yes. lifting weights or getting your cardio output, you know, elevated, like then you see shifts and changes it happens over time and consistency. And a lot of times, again, like the overnight success thing, people think it's going to, I need to do something big. Well, you could just yeah. do small little things. We talked about this in my practice yeah. as well. Like what if you just did five things today that to help your body be healthy, drink more water, get out for a yeah. walk, talk to a friend, get adjusted, yeah. you know, right. get enough sleep tonight. Like these sound like maybe bigger things, but there's small moments of kindness and reflection yeah. and giving ourselves grace that I think are so important. I love that you touched on that as well, because um, we have to be checking in. I think it's about being mm -hmm. adaptable. And like we talked with you earlier about listening to yourself, whether that's a, the download about time to sell your practice or mm -hmm. the, the download about, you know what, you need some extra rest this week. Don't overload your plate, you know, yeah. that project. And the thing is, sure, listeners here, I mean, these are all drivers, likely people that want to succeed and have a vision, you know, whether it's in their own business or working with someone else, hearts to serve people and help people. It's easy mm -hmm. to get lost in that sometimes in the entrepreneurial you know, it's a bit of sure a roller coaster is. at time, right? We got launches and then we calm down and then we do this and we do that. And mm -hmm. you have to give yourself the grace and space to, to know when your body is going to talk to you and tells you to take a step back sometimes too. And, and to be kind to yourself in those moments, which is what I love that you said 100%. that the, the self-compassion piece. And you talked about, you mentioned habits, and I think that's almost a fourth piece, which is uh, if you look at BJ Fogg's work, he's out of Stanford, he talks about tiny habits and meaning that you're not going to take a big tree trunk and slam it into the ground and hope it takes root. That's not going to happen, but you can plant a tiny seed, repeat it over and over and over again, even better if you link it to something you're already doing and then watch it germinate, grow and expand into a big habit, into a five day a week workout plan or whatever it is. In fact, James Clear talks about from Atomic Habits, he talks about telling one of his clients who was a man who was very overweight and wanted to get his weight under control, wanted to get strong. But every time he started at the gym, he'd go all out and then he'd stop or he just didn't even want to go at all. And he said, all I want you to do is go to the gym, touch the handle and go back to your car and drive away. Mm -hmm. I want you to become somebody who goes to the gym every day mm -hmm. and you start tiny and then you open the door and then you walk in. And then you lift a weight and it just grows and expands. And I, I love that you mentioned kind of the idea of habits and creating small habits in your life, because that really is kind of what the data tells us works. Well, and it's also, I think in my clinical experience, it, it adds, it's easier to start adding things when you start to feel better. Yes. So if someone yeah. only adds in 
more movement. If I said, don't change anything else, eat still all your shitty food, but just yeah. start moving your body more. Guess what? Chances are because of the movement and the impact of movement on the neurology, on their habits, mm-hmm. on how they're going to feel and function, they may start to question what they are eating and then be ready to change yes. their dietary habits. And I think it's a much more reasonable way for us to make any kind of change than you may have had the experience with coaching clients or practice members at one point too, which people want to do everything at once and go hardcore. Yes. They change everything and then they they drop the ball or they realize it's not sustainable. And yeah. again, they need the self-compassion needs to kick in, but instead of kicking into self-compassion, they get really hard on themselves and yes. I didn't do it. Well, you actually tried to change too many freaking things about your life at one time. We are creatures yeah. of habit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole habit stacking concept of, you know, implement one small thing and then build on that by what you refer to kind of that layering approach. And that is definitely more effective. And just reminding yourself, this is, it is all of my coaching clients. I start by saying, uh, are you looking for short-term results or long-term permanent change? And, and we have to shift that paradigm of, I would never ask, and I'm sure you're the same. I would never ask a coaching client to add something to their life that isn't sustainable and that they can't do for the rest of their life. Because anything I'm going to add, this is not a short-term fix. It's a behavior that I want you to sustain for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so we start tiny and we start to kind of layer those in. And then I had a great client yesterday send me just such a lovely email about how we've been working together for a year. And for those first few months, I mean, it's a little bit frustrating because it was little tiny things and not these big grandiose results. And then all of a sudden, all those shifts started to just take hold. And then she started to see the changes. And then now a year later, dramatic difference. And her previous behavior was start and stop, start then stop, and then eventually just not see any results. And I'm much more interested in let's get some results. And in order to do that, it has to be small, sustainable change. Yeah. But I also love that differentiation that you asking, you ask short-term results versus long-term change, right? Or long-term yeah. healing. And I know that listeners, we can apply that in our practices. Absolutely. And I'm a big believer that communication and clarity with your patients <clears throat> is the foundation to a good relationship with them. And I, we all have different practice styles. And the whole focus of this show is to help you create a practice that reflects you in my practice. Yes. I want to honor everyone, um, depending on what their goals and their needs are. And I will tell people, yeah. look, again, short term, what are your goals? As long as I know what your goals are, I can help you manage your expectations of what your clinical care here is going to result in. You tell me you want to change your whole health, you know, your whole movement patterns. That doesn't happen with one or two adjustments. It happens with time and consistency versus, you know, you want to just get out of pain. Yeah. We can put that fire out real quick. And then yeah. you're going to probably, it's going to come that. back, but it's up to you. You were the one in charge of it. So I ask my patients that listeners, I'm going to invite you to use that in your own practice, but I'm also going to invite you to ask yourself that today on, on some other part of your life. So whether this resonates with you, get quiet, like we talked about earlier and think about in your relationship with parenting, potentially with your health, with your business, is there an area that you're struggling with potentially today? And if you're looking for a solution, are you looking for just a short-term results or are you looking for something more long-term and real true healing? And maybe that will help guide the next steps that you take to solve that possible um, challenge you may be facing. 
There's a, there's, I was part of a group called Curable, which is for anybody out there who suffers any kind of chronic pain or condition, it's a wonderful program. And that was, that's a story for another time. But I, in my early twenties, suffered autoimmune disorders and uh, weight issues and chronic pain and all sorts of things and struggled with it for many years, became part of this program, one of, and, and had incredible results. One of the things they teach you is about income, um, outcome independence and the idea mm. that if you can detach from the outcome and just do the work consistently, it's it, it provides incredible results, but also releases so much tension and stress about, well, what's the scale going to say? What's it, the scale hasn't changed. So I, well, then I got to change something. No, just do the behavior over and over and over again try to release yourself from what the outcome is you're looking for. And suddenly down the road, you'll find yourself at the outcome you're looking for without all the stress and emotion tied around it. So that whole concept of which you were just alluding to was the outcome independence piece. Yeah. And I think detaching from the outcome um, is also a really great topic because if we can pursue what lights us up and what brings us joy, um, whether it's a marketing yes. thing, whether it's, um, uh, again, a relationship, whether it's health, I mean, we can get so focused on, these are the results I want. I want to make more money. Yes. I want to have a better relationship. I want to have better health. Well, the path to get there is, is not the same for everyone. And it also takes a lot of work typically. Mm -hmm. So if you can find mm -hmm. more acceptance in, this is why you're doing it and what, what you're hoping the outcome is going to be, but actually not with measuring those metrics exclusively. I think yes. we're going to have more success. I think personally, that's what I've seen myself. If I can just find joy in the journey and find joy in the experience and not be like, yeah. oh, this is what I, this is how it should look. Sometimes, oftentimes the how can be magical and mystical and, and it does work out. You just did not necessarily the way you thought it was going to. So, so true. So true. And I think it helps particularly those sort of in the entrepreneurial space. It helps you show up every day. If you're not meaning just show up and do what you need to do, D you know, do the lead gen or do it day in, yeah. you know, day over and over and over again. And, and a lot of times I think entrepreneurial ventures fail because they get abandoned with expectations that results should have already happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that alludes back to your coaching expertise, helping educate your clients around the results are not immediate. It does take time, energy and, and space and, and just consistent showing up like everything else. Yeah. And let's be clear. I mean, some results are immediate. If you want to yeah. change a couple, it's like, depends on what it is, but it all starts with clarity, right. And depending on what you're trying to change, right. If I'm trying to change, um, you know, you're trying to break down an addictive process that you're, that people are struggling with, like giving up sugar, for example, yes. or some, you know, food sensitivities. Sure. Those take a bit more time, but yeah. there are quicker things that we can change really quickly. You know, whether again, it's, it's your relationship habits that you want to instill with you and your partner, with your mm -hmm. kids. It's just starts with clarity around what you're actually want and why, yep. and then building the right process around the right action steps. Um, I know we're going to run out of time, which is too bad because there's so many different things we can still talk about. The reason I love doing these conversations is because I feel like I get to have these conversations with super cool people and then everyone else can just listen to them. So, <laughs> um, there are lots of topics today. Everyone that Dr. Heather is highly versed in. She's, I should can tell, highly articulate and she's doing some really cool things. So what is the best way for people to stay in touch with you or find out more about the work that you were doing? We will put all of this in the show notes. Yeah, of course. My website is well fit and 
fed.com, wellfitandfed.com. And then I'm always on LinkedIn. So anybody can message me over on LinkedIn and happy to communicate. I always love getting questions or comments about podcast interviews and that kind of thing. So please do reach out and just uh, let me know uh, what additional questions or follow-up you might have. Awesome. And my last question for you is what's exciting you right now? What's inspiring you? Oh, well, I'll, I'll do personally and professionally. So personally, okay. my husband and I are planning a five-week trip to Greece leaving end of August. So the plan, you know, I, I it's, it's a, refl- it's a, um, an analogy of life is that the planning of the, of the vacation and the holiday is equally or more fun than the actual execution of. So I love the process of that. That's mm. that, that lights me up for sure. Plus I, I love this season. Um, this sort of spring time always gives me tons of energy to try start new projects and, and get new ideas and stuff. So I always tap into springtime as a real productive time for myself. And so professionally, I am working on some speaking engagements, uh, keynote opportunities, and meeting some really cool new people in the industries that I work in. And I love the, that networking part of, of what I do. So I am really enjoying that. And I will say, you know, this has been, and this is uh, maybe true for some of those out there, maybe not. This year has been different than I expected. So I set set sail January thinking things were going to go a certain way. And they haven't gone exactly that way. <laughs> and so there's certainly periods of time that are like, oh my gosh, you know, I, do I need to shift direction? Do I need to do whatever? So digging into that discomfort and saying, well, what is that going to bring? For, you know, how am I going to grow from this? How am I going to get through this struggle and then kind of see the fruit on the other side? So as tough as some of those shifts are, and I can remember in practice where you're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do this in the first quarter of this year. And then things go sideways or they just don't turn out the way and you have to adjust. And so just, I think I've been through that process uh, so many times that I now actually can approach it with curiosity and eagerness to say, okay, so then how are we going to solve this? How are we going to move forward? What different things are we going to do? So I'm enjoying that piece of it too. I love it. Approaching it with, you said too, my, uh, my favorite words, curiosity is one of them. Um, And just, you know, I think it's a great way to wrap the show up today is honoring the seasons of life, honoring our evolution Things nice. like you said, focus on your focus on the clarity on what you want and why you want it. As cliched or overused as the whole clarity thing seems to be, it's I talk about it so much because it's true. And you can be yes. asking yourself with your health, with your relationships, business, what do you want? And if you're not, you know, sometimes if we don't ask ourselves those questions, life will show you what you want. Yeah. And it reroutes you and you get the opportunities to evolve yes. and, and shift into different seasons. So um, I, I, I think that's a great way, you know, wherever you're at today, listeners honoring that, you know, life goes through waves. Sometimes we just got to ride them. Sometimes yeah. we surf, sometimes we drown a little bit and then you find your way up, <laughs> but, but that's the beauty of the excitement and the curiosity of, of living a, a really rich life. So yeah, thank you so for much sure. for your time. And uh, listeners, you. you want to check into the show notes and find out the other interview with Heather 
um, on Rockstar Doctor Life, as well as a ton of links. Um, when I do these conversations, so many other topics sort of come up and I'll often put links in the show notes to help you go and dig into them a little bit more if they resonate with where you're at. So love seeing your face. Um, hopefully we'll get face. to do it again in person. Um, yeah. and, um, I wish you all the best in everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for what you put out into the world. It's so valuable. So appreciate you. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for the opportunity to share some ideas with you today. I truly hope you found something in today's show that resonated with you. But what I hope even more is that you take the content, you take something that you learned and use it to adjust your practice to make a shift in the lifestyle that you want to live. If you love the show, please send us some feedback. Please write a review. And most importantly, it helps us if you share it with others. Have an awesome day, friends. We'll catch you on the next show.